Hello, everyone. Welcome to Typhoon Talks, brought to you by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. And I'm Chen. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Kelly. Hello. And our guest speaker Radhika Dabari. Hi. Today, we are going to discuss what is really important when West does business with East or vice versa, and the secrets to overcoming the East versus West paradox. As a recognized neurolinguistic practitioner and seasoned global implementation project manager, Radhika is now a digital life and leadership and executive coach at the Holistic Coaching Group. The reason why I want to emphasize why we're having this discussion about culture and its importance in communication is that the UKTI actually estimates that at the moment um, alone, the failure of British companies trying to do business abroad but not getting the culture right means how many times they. Have to have the same conversation or do more meetings is actually costing about forty-eight billion pounds a year. So I think we all have a sense of the what communication is, but what is your working definition of communication? So the Oxford definition of communication is actually、um, as follows. So it's the imparting or exchanging of information by speaking, writing, or using some other medium. That's a fantastic definition. But in practice, what it lacks is the appreciation of the impact cultural norms have on the way we do this, and also what message is actually received. So this is something that Hofstede picked up on in 1980, and he talked about that's why actually there being six values that you can associate with countries and communication and cultural norms.、But、the first one is masculinity. What that means is what is、uh, the balance of equality between males and females in the country? Is there a difference you need to be aware of? Um, and and how you see power. The second one is power distance.、Um, so this is more hierarchical. If you're a senior manager, does that mean you make all the decisions、um, and the lower levels of staff don't? Here, for example, between East and West, Hofstede would say that the power distance in 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 the West is a lot lower. So that means it's more of an open floor in the East. It's actually really important. So you need to know where someone sits in an organization when you do your communications. Uh, the third one is uncertainty avoidance, so that's risk.、Um, how much risk are they willing to take? As mentioned in in the West, risk、uh, is is quite risk averse generally. If you're looking at startup companies, they're willing to take the risk as long as they can see again the vision or the value of what you're trying to do. On the other hand, in the East,、um, their risk is more about, as I said, do they trust what you're going to actually do? Have you got some facts and figures? So you need to make sure that you're coming with a valid、um, argument there. Individualism. Again, here we're talking about: Are you allowed to be yourself, or should you be、uh, the same as everyone else in society, or should you be disruptive? In the West, disruption is is quite appreciated these days, so that would be generally、um, quite high. While in the East, actually, individualism is is less appreciated. So when you do that, you need to be politically correct and why you're being disruptive or how it's going to benefit society, how it's going to benefit the community. The fifth one is indulgence. So here we're talking more about if you do something, do it to a level、uh, that makes sense, not overindulge. So here, if you're going to go out to eat, don't start showing off all your wealth. It's not actually appreciated generally in the East. If you do it subtly, it's fine. But if you start going over the top and saying to them, "I'm going to take you out for dinner, drinks, and then out to, you know, let's say a strip club," that would not be appreciated. <laughs>、um, on, on the other hand, in the West, in the nicest possible way, most sales deals—that's what they're expecting—and sales guys will be hoping for a nice, lavish dinner and drinks, drinks afterwards, and out till three in the morning. 
don't do that if you're working with uh, individuals in the East. They generally might not appreciate that. Karaoke would be a, a better scene. And the last thing is the long-term strategy. So um, again, in the East, people are generally thinking longer term. Does it make sense again for their community, for their family, for their heritage, for their lineage? Uh, in the West, long-term strategies is generally, well, everything's going to change. So live for today and see how it goes. Can you give us some examples in practice? Okay, yeah, sure. So um, a common example is in India and China. It's still common um, that there are an expectation that youths should look up to their parents and their elders. And they shouldn't question them or they shouldn't disrespect them, for example. So when you're at home, you should be generally very polite. And if you are going to challenge the status quo, you should actually be a bit apologetic in that behavior. Um, So when it comes to speaking out or being um, a little bit more challenging at work, it's often the mindset thinks that they're actually being uncouth or disrespectful. So this leaves a lot of individuals not voicing their opinions to superiors. Um, In Europe, on the other hand, so in the UK, the Netherlands, um, it's actually at school taught to to speak up and to think about your ideas and and talk about them. So normally you'll find that uh, the Dutch or the UK, when they're at work, will just say what they think. If they did this in in the scenario of, of in India, though someone might say, if you're speaking to a superior or an elder, that's very disrespectful. One example where people don't realize how they could could fail. So here in Asia, facts, numbers, figures are quite important. While in, in Europe, people could, are okay with just visions. Well, what is it that you want to achieve? What's the dream that you want to see? Yeah, so it's a general observation that Easterners are more suppressive and Westerners are more expressive in communication. Yeah. So you already just mentioned uh, business presentations, but then a bit more specifically, what are the different aspects that show up in the East versus West in business presentations? Okay, so you'll see quite commonly in Western presentations, it's quite boisterous. It's 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 hoping for a conversation. Um, when you have with Eastern businesses, they generally prefer that you actually are coming with your idea already, so that there's something for them to criticize. They'll take that away. They'll have a they'll have an understanding and then come back and feedback. Um, similarly, if you don't, if you just have the great idea that you want to sell, that's fantastic. If you're doing business in the West, because they can see your vision. But if in the East you don't talk anything about your cost benefits or what the financials are going to look like, you might have a problem. So Hong Kong is a very international city, and it's uh, full of Westerners and Easterners as well. You've been working in Hong Kong for a while. What's your observation of Hong Kong's communication style? So I think Hong Kong is a really interesting place, and that's because a lot of the locals have moved out, um, either been educated abroad and come back, or worked abroad and come back. Um, So you see actually from, from company to company a real variation in the way they communicate. The one thing that I would still observe is, um, so for example, with startups that I've worked with, they didn't recognize that they might want to have a blend and use the strength of Hong Kong of having both a Western touch and an Eastern touch within their organization. So diversity here is great. When you see these startups suddenly going, okay, let me either get an advisor in um, who is from abroad or actually a local um, saying, okay, I'm going to come in and help advise a startup that's kicked off here in, in Hong Kong. They see massive benefits. So I'll give you a quick example. The American company um, that works with bikes. Now, of course, there's so much bike sharing in, in China. 
He was trying to break into the market, but he didn't hire anyone who was Chinese or local. So he had a massive problem when it came to some of his presentations of just getting that message across in the right way. Um, he took some advice and got someone on board, and, and now he had to, he's seen the drive, he's seen the success, and actually he's, he's been able to leave Hong Kong and leave it to, to someone else to manage. Did he hire any Chinese in the end? He did, he did, yes. Yeah. So for marketing he did, um, and also for communications. Would you say that's the key to the success in the end? Uh, I think it definitely had an, uh, had an impact to play. I mean, he's a fantastic sales guy, so he, of course, played a massive part himself. But having that diversity now added into his team just brought uh, an immense value. Right. You've already mentioned people in Hong Kong who've then studied abroad and come back. I speak Dutch myself, but I've lived outside of Holland most of my life. Do you think I'd be all set to go to do business in Holland, or would I have to adapt in some sense? So I... The, the key question here is, is how much do you understand of the cultural iceberg? Or what Hofstede would actually say is the six different values. Because 75% of communication isn't actually verbal. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is perception and belief. So they change over time. So if you grew up in the Netherlands um, up until you were 10, a lot has changed in the country if you go back now. So when you go back, it's the question of who are you speaking to? Um, do you really know exactly where they, they've been, what they think, how, how they perceive the situation, um, and then how you deal with that? So the key, key six value systems that, that Hofstede immediately points towards are actually masculinity, power distance, um, uncertainty, avoidance, individualism, indulgence and, and long-term strategy and how people actually think about that. So he's done a study and it's a comparison from country to country. But to answer your question specifically, so it mainly is just dependent on what's your understanding of where that still sits with most Dutch people when you go back. These days a lot of communications take place online. What are the possible obstacles when you do the online communication? People have become more digital. Um, so joining online communities isn't strictly based on where you are physically. What I want to point out here is, is, is that's why if you um, ask, for example, a fellow Hong Konger or a fellow Dutch uh, person what it is that their, their, their feelings are towards time or definition of failure or um, attitude towards age, whether they like someone looking them in the eye, how confident are you that they actually are, um, are going to give you the answer that you expect? And the, the answers these days aren't what we expect because people are going online and, and interacting with countries completely where they're not. They, they can live wherever they want to live, even if they're physically located elsewhere. So a very big pitfall that people make in business is just assuming when they meet someone that they know them. And the key thing I want to point out here is that's why to be um, really successful in communication is don't be afraid to ask the other person, um, to ask them to share what they really want to get out of the interaction and also what it is that they're looking to achieve. So especially when you speak to C-suites and managers, none of us want to waste time. So if you just simply ask them the question of, hi, you know, nice to meet you, um, what is it that you're looking for today and how would you see our interaction going or our steps forward? People generally find that actually a really good question from wherever they are in the world. I think another problem with online communication is that you, you don't get to see the person. 
and you don't get to use the tone or gesture to assist your communication. So that's also a barrier when you, um, for instance, when you do online communication, you can't really see the person in the eyes. Very good point, very good point. So, uh, for example, that's actually an area where sometimes Western businesses forget. Uh, for Eastern cultures, it's quite family, it's quite personal. Um, so doing business completely digital as well generally doesn't work. Um, you need to go and see the person and at least spend that time. So it's a good point you raise, yes. Um, on the other hand, when they come and, and, and meet someone from, from the East or in, in China, they shouldn't sit there and stare at them. That will be very intimidating yeah. and not appreciated. Yeah. So then you've already mentioned some examples of pitfalls of miscommunication. What other examples can you mention of the difficulties? Um, as I said, the other difficulty is sometimes the generalization, and that's an example I want to point out here in Hong Kong. A lot of Western companies are here in Hong Kong often go to local organizations and assume that they also want to be spoken to in a specific way. That generalization, ignoring the fact that the, the manager they may be speaking to has actually worked in Australia or worked in the US or worked in the UK, um, can be very detrimental and affect their relationship extremely quickly. So don't, again, as I said, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, make sure you actually ask the person how they want to be communicated. That's a really good point of advice. What other advice do you have for communicating across possible cultural boundaries? The key thing is to succeed in universal communication, uh, people need to understand you. Um, that doesn't mean change who you are, but adapt is needed to be understood. So the other things I would still say to point out is um, there are some generalizations and it's don't generalize too much, but being aware of them will be a benefit. So being aware of some of the key things between the differences is, is really important. So as I said, one of them being um, honor of word. Um, in, in the East, what you say is really important. So don't say something you're not going to do. Don't say you're going to sell them something or provide something and you don't provide it. In the West, on the other hand, it's the honor of contract. So what's been written down. Now, this sometimes is conflicting because for someone in the East, they may say, well, actually, it doesn't matter if I take two, three weeks to write a contract. Um, while someone in the West will take that as, oh, they don't really want to do business. So being aware of that when you do business is really useful. The other one is the language or the tone that you use. Of course, in, in Chinese, Mandarin, I mean, I'm learning right now, it's so, so difficult with four tones, but tone is really important um, and how you say things is really important. In, in the West, again, tone is important, but it's more about what you say. So um, this also I, I notice often causes conflict or actually problems when, when the businesses are trying to work together because in the East it's really important to, to do everything perfect. You, you're brought up to, to do everything to the T perfect. If you go to a salsa class here in Hong Kong, everyone knows every single step. It causes the problem because they're too focused on getting it right that sometimes they don't communicate just generally the message they want to get out there. Uh, while in the West, as I said, then that might be taken as they're either being shy or they're not actually trying to communicate with me or they can't. So it's sometimes better in that scenario, say what it is that you're trying to get across. It doesn't matter if it's basic English, no one needs perfect. Um, just use a couple of good words. So let's just be more specific with regards to business culture differences between European and Asian individuals and entities that our audience might need to watch out for. Yeah, sure. So, um, as I said, the first first one and key one is 
the definition of polite is very different. So be aware of that. Um, Nonverbal communication is a really key factor in the East versus the West. Um, the second thing is being conservative. So there's some topics that some Western countries don't appreciate might not be appropriate uh, when you first meet someone in the East. Um, it's very conscious to just be politically correct, I say. Just be a little bit more aware and don't start talking about topics that could potentially offend someone. In terms of hand gestures, again, pointing um, when you're in the East can be seen as very offensive. So in the West, even though it's just to, to convey a message, um, in the East that may not be taken that way. So just be bear that in mind when you do presentations. The other th key thing, as I said, is family orientation. Um, do ask if you're working with people in the East how their family is. Don't pry, though. Don't, don't ask too many questions, but ask, oh, how is your family? How are they doing? If you ask simple questions like that, it could either be their parents or their children, they'll appreciate it. If you start obviously digging a bit too deep, they'll ask, you don't know me, so why are you yeah. um, asking those questions? I think it's pretty common sense. If you're doing business on the other hand in the West, be a little bit careful about asking some of those questions. Um, in certain countries in the West, it's really not appreciated. If, if, if it's business, it's business. Don't ask about the family. Mm -hmm. Don't ask about what they're doing. They may just not want to share that. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's the other flip side of that coin. And the other thing is hierarchy. So again, if telling someone in the West that they're not allowed to speak up is difficult, but if you are from the West and you're trying to work with the East, just bear in mind that you might want to be a little bit apologetic or a little bit softer in your tone. So ask the question or simply say, um, no no means to offend, but can I just simply make a, a quick statement or a point or ask a question because I think that there might be a different viewpoint. Phrasing it that way when you want to say something against um, a viewpoint that's been made by someone in the East is going to be taken a lot better than if you simply say you're wrong or you're not making any sense. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the key ones I just want to point out. And as I said, contract is, is an extremely important one. Contracts in the West might want to wait until your second business deal um, if you're working in the East. So could you wrap up this episode with three key takeaways for our audience? Uh, the first one, don't ever be afraid to ask the other party in any communication what it is they ideally want to get out of the interaction and their preferred timelines and next steps. Uh, the second thing, never judge a book by its cover. Um, Hong Kong is a great example. It's an extremely diverse place. It's easy to assume that every Asian-looking individual will be closer to Chinese or a local Hong Kong or value system, or that every Caucasian is either British or French, but don't make that assumption. I know so many locals who grew up either abroad or even vice versa who are from here and speak Cantonese but may look British. Um, and the last point I'm going to say is, as I said, the future is digital. Uh, being able to naturally speak the language of the other party is definitely a bonus. But with the digital tools such as Google Translate, italki devices, WeChat, um, and auto-translate in-ear devices, focus on better understanding the exact individual opposite you, um, their body language and the differences in the cultural system and, and um, languages. Uh, so thank you for summarizing the main arguments of uh, communication across cultural borders. So that's all we have time for today uh, in this episode of Typhoon Talks. Thank you for joining us today. Please follow us on Twitter at Typhoon Buzz, iTunes and SoundCloud at Typhoon Talks for podcast episodes. Also, please visit our website at typhoonconsulting.com for more industry points of view. We hope you'll join us again next time.